Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valero and I break down the Chiefs' big win over the Raiders and also preview another big game against the Buccaneers on Sunday. Joe, this Chiefs-Raiders game was so fun. This shootout, it, it harkened back to almost the AFL days of these rivals going back and forth. And what I really loved, my favorite part might have been just so there are no fans, it was quiet, hearing the audibles, purple walrus, purple walrus, Chris Mullen, and for Chiefs, it's gold, gold. I, in telling you, they're calling out the Mike linebackers. I love that, that aspect, seeing that, Joe. Isn't that fun? It, what a nice insight for fans to get to hear the communication that goes on, right? And, and, the, and how you have to mask some of those things because, you know, scouting reports get out, you know, and if you, if you overuse audibles and line calls, you have to have dummy calls uh, too, right? So, you know, sometimes you have to, um, you know, you got, you got to mask those things because if, if a team plays you twice in the season, they're going to catch on to your calls, right, for your down blocking or your zone blocking and things like that because you're always trying to communicate with each other. So, yeah, I, I think it's an unbelievable insight for the fans to hear the level of communication. And I think what fans need to think about is – Think about those calls that are going on, and I want you to imagine a Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium level decibel, you know, or, or decibel levels going on while the quarterbacks and the line are trying to call out those things. So, like that—that's what you really need to think about. It's fun to hear the the purple walrus and 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 the gold and the black thirty-nine and the red thirty-eight and all that stuff, but. What you need to think about is imagine if there's 80,000 fans screaming right. and you're trying to do the same thing. So, yeah, I think it's really cool, Jeff. And I'm so glad we were texting about that during the, during the game. And, and I, I just think that's a really cool insight for fans to, to have. Were, were there any, like uh, in your day with Joe Montana or Dave Craig, any of those guys, any kind of funny audibles that you guys have, like a code word like that that was kind of funny? Um, yeah, well, we, we had some, some, I can't repeat on the air. Um, we had, uh, but you know, I, I don't, I don't recall any other than the ones I can't repeat. Uh, but, uh, you know, there was, there was nothing we didn't, you know, they're getting more and more creative, right. With some right. of these, these play calls that, you know, Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are coming up with. <laughs> it's crack. It's cracking me up when I hear some of the play, the names of these plays that they have, um, and they're getting so creative. But unfortunately, you know, I can't share those right now <laughs> on the family podcast that we're doing. But we did have some. We did have some uh, some interesting uh, audible calls, uh, at least on the offensive line. When we do our unrated version, uh, yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll have one of the call. You know, <laughs> exactly. that's actually interesting. I wonder if that's just because now because just the game, there's so many more 
cameras and sky cams and probably much better audio on the sidelines. I wonder now that you, if you have to kind of keep it clean because of that reason versus back in the day, you really wouldn't maybe hear the audible calls on TV. Yeah, yeah. They, or, or they did, you know, they just kind of did a better job of filtering that stuff out, right? right. Sometimes you'd hear it on, on NFL films if you were, were watching it or if it was on cable, like on an HBO football special or something, they, they kind of let, let it fly. But yeah, I mean, it's, you're, you're right, Jeff. I mean, it's so with all those directional mics and, and, and the, uh, the technology that's out there, you know, you got to be you got to be careful about, you know, what's being said on the field. And you know, every once in a while, those things slip out, right? And you see coaches, you know, on the sideline, you can read their lips or, you know, you hear a player or something say something. So I think the NFL does, they do a really good job of trying to keep as much of that filtered out and, and the networks do as well, uh, which is, which is good. But you're right. The technology's definitely made it harder for, for teams to, to really be communicative. And that's why, you know, that's why the coaches, even though it's so funny because I see them even with their masks on, they put they put the uh, play sheets in front of their face, like even though they have a mask on, it's cracking me up. It's just this habit. Right? <laughs> you know, listen, you know, you don't you don't want to give the other team any advantage that you can. Totally. And we're gonna break down uh, the Chiefs' upcoming matchup against the Buccaneers and give a little bit more analysis to the, the fun game, this huge victory over the Raiders that pretty much cinched up a fifth straight. AFC West High, which is just amazing for the Chiefs. But first, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action. And at Bet Online right now, the Chiefs are favored by three and a half points against the Buccaneers on Sunday. From those game spreads and totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, you know, Joe, it's so cool that, you know, I was thinking this, I'm sure you were, uh, when the Chiefs got the ball back about a minute and a half, one time out, I'm like, well, the Chiefs, they have Mahomes. They're definitely getting a field goal, probably a touchdown. And how cool is it to have – that in your back pocket is is a fan to know that I mean that that's great to have to be able to have that kind of confidence in your team and your quarterback. Uh, the th the question I have for you though, I wrote about this for Forbes. Um, so such an impressive offensive display by the Chiefs. The defense I thought you know showed a little warts. Maybe the Raiders are just a good matchup for them. But second game in a row they gave up 31 points. So. What, and again, I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, but what is your level of concern and how much of it was just a Raiders are really well executing offense and how much is it that the Chiefs, their, their defense needs to step it up a little bit? Jeff, that's, you know, that's a great, you make great points. N number one, let, let me just kind of go back to the Patrick Mahomes thing and, right. and the, the stress level. If you are any other team in the world, if you are any other team in the NFL, your stress level in a situation like that, even the best teams, even well, you, you saw what Aaron Rodgers uh, did, right, the other night. Um, even if you've got an Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or even a Tom Brady in his prime, you know, I, I liken Patrick Mahomes to how I think teams felt or how fans for, in San Francisco and Kansas City felt when Joe Montana was down mm -hmm. with a minute and a half left in the fourth quarter. You, you know, your stress level for, for your, your any other team on a scale of one to 10, you're, you're like it, you're like in an eight at that point 
right? E- even if you have a, even if you have an unbelievably com- great comeback quarterback, like some of the ones that I mentioned, I, I think my stress level with Patrick, and I think most fans in Kansas City will agree, my stress level was like a three. Yeah. You know, there's something, something crazy could always happen, right? A bobbled ball that shoots out to, you know, it, it hits somebody on the back shoulder and, 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 and there's like an errant pick, you know, an interception because, you know, it hits off of somebody's pads or takes a funny bounce or something, or, you know, there's a weird holding call or something that, that happens. But like my stress level was like a three, you know, because you think it, with that stress level of three, did you think the game was going into the overtime for a field goal or did you think the chiefs were getting a touchdown? I got to be honest, and I'm not just being a homer. I knew they were going to win that game. I yeah. knew they were going to score. I really did. I, I, I'm going right along with you. I knew they were going to get a field goal. I knew it. I knew they mm-hmm. were going to get a field goal. I, had, I was probably putting percentages on it. I was probably 90% sure they were going to score a touchdown at, and win that game. So, all right, anyway, so sorry, sorry to answer that question and go off on a tangent. But to get back to, to this whole thing about the warts, right? I mean, first let me start with the positive, right? They did much better against the run game. I was really concerned about Josh Jacobs. You know, they spell him with Devontae Booker. I was really afraid about what they were going to do in the run game. And I think the Chiefs seemingly shored that part of the game up. Only 3.4 yards per carry for a really good run offense. That's a great job by the run defense. But like I've been saying all, all year, and I, and I do believe this, and I, I, think I, I think it's come through in some of our pods when we talk about the Raiders either previewing them or reviewing them after the Chiefs have played them. I, I'm, real, I'm, kinda, I'm very bullish on Derek Carr. I really am. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is a solid quarterback. I mean, he is really coming into his own. He's got a good – you know, he's, he's finally got a decent receiving core, right? Um, he spread the ball around. Nelson Aguilar, right? Come now, Philadelphia fan, right? Being living here in the Philadelphia area, right? I saw what he could do in Philly. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. I mean, they were averaging, you know, 14, 12, 18 yards a throw. Um, that's what scares me the most. And I think we've been, look, Captain Obvious statement, right? I think we've been saying this all year, and we even said it a little bit last year. It's that middle of the field that just scares the living daylights out of me with this team. I feel so much better going into the rest of the season, what they're doing in the run game. It's that, it's that let's call it 12 to 20 yard pass that just scares the heck out of me. And that's what we talked about, Jeff. We talked about the Raiders keeping pace mm-hmm. with the chiefs and that's what they did. They kept pace. And we said that was the only way they were going to win that game. Right. We even said, I think both of us agreed the only way that the Raiders were going to win that game is that they could keep pace. And they did. And, and they, they didn't do it on the ground. They didn't, you know, it wasn't like a time of possession thing where, you know, the, the Raiders won that game 17 to 14 because they just ground and pound, you know, did all that stuff. They really, um, they did it with that middle of the, in the middle of the field. And when I say the middle of the field, not in the center going down the hashes, I mean in the middle of the field, you know, at, at, at vertically, right, you know, 10 to 20 yards, that's where I think the, chief, the Chiefs are, are, are really, uh, really, really struggling. Now, again, again, keeping the focus on the positives and what the Chiefs can build on and what fans can be excited about. I thought Javarius Ward was fantastic. I mean, the guy's playing with a broken hand. Uh, he, he looked like a veteran out there. Uh, After you know, struggling so much in the first go-round. Um, yeah, that was great to see. Yeah, they, 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 were, they were, you know, 
they, they, they were going after him and he, and he stepped up. So I, I, th- I, th- I think he's, I think he's earning his place. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, a, that's one of the positives they can build on. But again, Jeff, to answer your question in a very long winded way, I'm really, really worried about that middle of the field. I don't know if you feel the same. Yeah, I, I think kind of the, the, the same issues. And I, I think part of it is because we know that's the only thing that can keep the Chiefs from a Super Bowl. It, it's not going to be the offense. We're, we're not of worried course. about that at any. So that's um, Darren Waller, the inability to ma- – I mean, and look, Darren Waller might be the second best tight end in the NFL right now with Kittle banged up, uh, Zach Ertz, mm-hmm. obviously, the Eagles offense having some issues. We know Kelsey – by the way, Kelsey – what a great <laughs> – game by Kelsey and it's it's interesting that I always thought um you know Mahomes is obviously the key to the Chiefs but the as far as the skill players or who he has his weapons if you will Tyreek Hill was always the one just because his deep speed it just changes everything yeah this year I really think Travis Kelsey is the team MVP he's on pace for his career year and he's just been just been amazing yeah, I mean, again, Jeff, going back to our definition of, of an MVP, right? So I'm going to keep going back to that. When people start having these conversations mm-hmm. about MVP, look, we know that Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. And, I, and it last week solidified that for me. Today, right now, through last season, through this week, you know, 10, to me, he is the best player in the NFL by far to me. And I think I'm not just being a homer about it and, you know, pulling the chiefs fan thing. I really do think he is the best player, you know, but then you go into that whole MVP thing, like you pull that person out and who, or, or you, you know, you take out Kelsey and you take out Mahomes. What lessens your chance of winning the game? I mean, it's almost like it could be moving in Kelsey's uh, arena, right? That, that ball could be moving into his court as far as like, if you, if, if they did not have Travis Kelsey at this point, are they the same team? Um, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, not to backtrack a little bit about, the, about what the Raiders did or didn't do to win that game. To me, Jeff, the turning point of that game, and, and I think this is usually the turning point in, in every game, is when you don't convert on a time, in a time when you should convert. And that, that one yard, you know, when, the, when, when they were on the one yard line and only came away with those three mm, points, yeah. to me – I think, I think that was I think that was the turning point. I think I think if they score a touchdown there, I think we we're in a different we're in a completely di- having different conversations right now. Totally. And, I mean, and, the and game it, was so close. You know, so like, close. That those little things made all the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, they punched that in there, and and it's a. I just feel like it's a different game. I really do because you know momentum swings with that kind of stuff. You know, you come up and you stop a team you know, on the one yard line, it's, it's a huge emotional swing. And I don't, I don't, you know, I hope people understand as, as, you know, as players on the field, that is so big for, for teams and it gets you so jacked and so pumped when your defense can hold, you think about that, right? It's like, it's almost like, it's almost like liking, liking it to golf, right? Like you, you go, you drive the ball, these, these professional golfers drive the ball 350 yards, 400 yards, and then they miss a putt from like six feet. <laughs> it's like, it's a killer, mm-hmm. right? But you, you know, when you see somebody make a putt and they put it in when they should put it in, you're like, oh yeah, that's, you, you know, you drive for show and you putt for dough, right? <laughs> that, that is, that's the analogy I'm going to use. That right there was a putt for dough for, you know, for the Raiders and, and they blew it. And, and I think that was, you know, 
take a deep sigh there because that could have changed the entire game, in my opinion, if, if they punch it in there and they score a touchdown. Great point, Joe. Uh, and before that, we were talking about the slew of offensive weapons the Chiefs have. Uh, their next opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, certainly do. And they also have uh, a very well-respected offensive mind, kind of like Andy Reid, Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. Well, Chiefs fans might not know or might have forgotten that he was actually used to coach uh, the Chiefs as a running back coach during the time you were there, Joe. Yeah, Coach Arians was amazing. Um, I, I love him. I really do. I love him. Um, you and I were talking about it, Jeff. You had mentioned that he's, he's a great interview because he's honest and he's forthright and, and he just connects. He connects with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he is, you know, I know we use this cliche a lot in sports and, in, and when you're looking at sports and you're analyzing sports about players or coaches being a player's coach. And, you know, that, that term gets used a lot, and I think it's lost some of its meaning because, you know, we, we, I think we overused it through the 90s and into the 2000s. Oh, he's a player's coach. Buddy Ryan's a player's coach. This guy, this so-and-so is a player's coach. But truly, in the true definition of a player's coach, Bruce Arians was, is one of them, and he's in that bucket because he is – he understands his players. He motivates each and every one of them a little bit differently – um, you know, I'm sure he's a little bit different as a head coach. You have to be right. You got to You got to play to the role that you're in and you got to be able to change who you are based on the position that you're in. But I know at, at his core, he hasn't changed and he's still the same honest forthright coach that, you know, that he loves the heck out of you and would do anything for you. But at the same time, he also has really good authoritarian characteristics where you know he's the coach and I think it's a that's a gift that's a gift for coaches Marty had it you know Marty was was a coach that I know I had the pleasure of playing with that was one of those coaches that you knew he loved you and he would do anything for you and you also knew though that he was coach Schottenheimer Mm -hmm. and and that and what he said was was thoughtful and and it had meaning and he did all this preparation and I put Bruce Arians into that kind of bucket into that category because he's he is one of those I I really have all the time in the world for coach Arians I think he's fantastic and he and a lot of that grit he picked up coaching in Philadelphia right at Temple that's right you know at a at a school that you know gritty you know it's it's in it's in it's in the it's an urban setting school Always Temple's always gotten a little bit of the, ah, uh, well, you know, are they football wives? Are they second rate, you know, because of their, you know, uh, you know, their competition they play and that they couldn't win the big games. But I think that's where he picked up a lot of his grit was, was at Temple, which, you know, obviously has always had, you know, has been increasing in its prominence over the years as they've have gotten closer and closer to, to becoming a more preeminent team. Uh, Matt Rule obviously kind of made his mark there sure. too. Uh, do you any any kind of Arians story that you remember that you know uh, interaction or something he did? He's such a character. Yeah, I mean, you know, he 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 was always always. Uh, what I remember most about Coach Arians is he was always asking you first about you as mm-hmm. a player, as a person. I'm sorry, not as a player, as a person. It, it was always it was always. Hey, Joey, call me Joey, you know, had that Philly thing going. I guess he knew that, you know, coming from, from Penn and growing up in Philadelphia and, you know, he'd say, Hey, Joey, how you doing? You know, how you doing? How's family back in Philly? You know, how's everybody, you know, God, and he always, the thing he always used to say to me, he's always said, you know, I wish, I wish we could have played Penn 
when I was at when I was coaching the Temple. I'm like, Coach, come on. The only reason you say you want to coach Penn so you get a you know get a <laughs> whooped on. I said, no, there's no there was no way we were going to keep up with some of the teams you were coaching, Coach. And uh, you know, we used to laugh a lot about that and and saying how we you know together maybe we could we could. Uh, bring a, a Penn Temple rivalry uh, to Philadelphia in football. And, and I think he always wanted to do it it's just because he knew the cherry and the red would probably win that one. But, but that's, <laughs> that's what I always remember about Coach Arians was that it was always people first. And, and he was all, he'd all, he didn't, wouldn't bring up, a, you know, Hey Joe, I, I, nice, nice block in that, in the game, or, Hey, saw you missed that block against, you know, so-and-so it was never, it was never that for your first interaction with him was never that it was always about how you doing and, and as a person. And, and that was, that was something I think he, he gained a lot of respect from his players for. Very cool stuff, Joe. And to show how good a coach he was, he was, you know, coaching those running backs here. We think of him as the wide open offensive guy, kind of the quarterback guru. Uh, fans also might forget that he was the guy when Chuck Pacano had leukemia, he took over for Indianapolis. Real cool thing he did was he left the light on at the facility until Pagano came back just as a really cool um, symbol. Arians, of course, um, again, was the running backs coach, some of those great runners the Chiefs had when Marty used to like uh, really pounded the rock. Um, you know, if taking it to this game, this is not a game where I see the Chiefs running game doing much. The, the Buccaneers are first in the NFL against the run. So not a big Edwards Hilaire Le'Veon Bell game from a running standpoint. But the Chiefs could – it's interesting. The Chiefs could obviously do some damage in the air. Their, their secondary is vulnerable. They have a really good pass rush with Shaq mm -hmm. Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Big uh, Sue still, this is a, a really good team, but more the front seven that is so dangerous and, and tough against the run. How do you see this game uh, shaping up, Joe? That's a, that's a, those are great, astute comments, Jeff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dovetail right into some of the things you said. I, I, for some, you know, as I watched this Chiefs team develop over, over the last two years with Patrick you know, really coming into his own, one of the things I don't particularly worry about, I mean, sure, as a lineman, it should be the thing that keeps you up at night is pass protection, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't, you don't want to get your quarterback blindsided. You don't want him to get, take too many hits because you know that, that that's going to uh, really affect your offense. One of the things I don't worry about is I don't worry about other teams' pass rush. Patrick Mahomes has eyes in the back of his head. And, and he, his ability to see things in slow motion, right? Just think about, think about that pass to Kelsey and what he was able to do on that rollout and how he was able to know he was not across the line of scrimmage. He was able to move outside of the pocket. Good luck trying to catch him. Mm -hmm. Like I do, I, the last thing I worry about is pass rush against this guy. He, cause, because he's not your typical sit back quarterback that's going to sit back there like a Tom Brady. Now, if I'm in the Buccaneers and, and Coach Bagnola can come up with some kind of a rush or blitz package that can push Brady outside of the pocket, I'm going to be really happy. So I, I have a completely inverse fear and 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 sort of i'm going to celebrate on the other side when the chiefs get to brady and that's what i don't worry about with patrick mahomes and if i were a bucks fan i'd be really worried about now the chiefs didn't didn't really pressure car much i mean that was scary there was no, no, no sacks that was one of the no defensive sacks. issues we're talking about i mean i you know boy oh boy with 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 the defense that we have to not to not 
to not get their body on, on Derek Carr, you know, they can't, that can't happen. You can't let Brady do that. That can't happen this week. They've got to get up. They've got to push the pocket up the middle. They've got to get in his face, you know, keep his vision short uh, so he can't see the field and, and they'll, and they'll be fine. Um, and, 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 and I guess for, to, to talk, to speak to your running game situation, I'm actually hoping that they try the run because, you know, let's be, let's do a little counter espionage here, right? A little, a little let's be counterintuitive. Maybe that maybe the, the bucks are going to spend so much time on the pass that, you know, maybe, maybe they don't have a, a true run, you know, maybe they're going to rely on their talent to 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 sort of win that battle up front and maybe the Chiefs can sneak a few runs in there that can put their their defensive backfield um at risk when they do try to pull the trigger and and start to go downfield uh with Patrick and and, and Eric Bieniemy's creative passing game so I, I know I I think they they may try to run it and see how it goes uh, even though they do have you know a top-ranked run defense I still think that the Chiefs should give that a shot to protect the pass game and to keep that uh, vibrant. Totally. You can't be uh, one dimensional. That's, that's not a good recipe for winning. Certainly um, you mentioned Brady. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this. I was going into the Monday night game. I'm like, you know what? Um, this might be a game. The chiefs have a tough schedule coming up. I, I could see them drop in this game. The Buccaneers are good. They have a good defense. We've mentioned weapons all over the field, but man, they've been so erratic. And for really the second time uh, he looked this way against the saints uh, on that Sunday night game, and in the Monday night game, Brady just looked bad. I mean, he's and he he looked washed up. Listen, he might be the best quarterback of all time, six Super Bowl rings, we all know that. But he just um, threw two bad interceptions, including one that sealed the uh, loss for him. So I really don't know what to make of this. Part of me thinks that you know he's Tom Brady. He's going to be stewing all week, and he's going to come out <laughs> with a great performance. And part of me thinks, well, it's just. He's 43, you know, that, that yeah. I, I'm really curious what, what we get here. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting, Jeff, to see which Tom Brady shows up. Um, you know, like I said, if they protect him in the pocket and they let him sit back there, like, uh, you know, like it's a video game with the receiving core that he has, he can make some things happen. I mean, you know, he's going to, the Antonio Brown thing is going to start to come together, right? As they play a little bit more and more in, in Bruce Arians offense. Um, Mike Evans is becoming a really good weapon. Chris Godwin, we know has made a name for himself. Another pen connection, Justin Watson, one of the backup wide receivers is a, is a pen Quaker uh, drafted in the, uh, fourth or fifth round uh, in 2018. So uh, shout out to a, a fellow Quaker there. Um, and, and number one, by the way, Justin Watson, the first and only wide receiver in NFL history to secure a sack. Uh, he, he, uh, he had a sack in a game. He, he sacked the, uh, the punter on, on a fake punt or on, on something that happened on a punt. So just a little, little shout out to there to a fellow. Was that this year, Joe? It was this year. Yeah, it was this year. Yeah. It was a couple weeks ago that he, he had a sack in a game. He's the first and only wide receiver ever to record a sack, an official sack in the, in the record book, um, in the stat sheet. But um, you know, I I think, you know, um, I'm still, I still, I guess we're still a little unsure what's going to happen with Gronkowski right now, how, banged up he is and whether he's going to be a full full performer or not I don't think he practiced on Wednesday I don't think he was a participant and Uh, and that is such a key too I was thinking about that the way you know Waller really had his way with the Chiefs defense and I was mm -hmm. thinking about that too just like if Gronk is is healthy that could be a tough matchup for the Chiefs 
Yeah, and they're, you know, their tight ends are okay. They're definitely not Waller or Gronkowski level. So, you know, if, 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 if Gronk's not playing, it'll, it should be, you know, it should be a little bit easier of a, of a task to try to keep the middle of that field, um, you know, protected from, you know, the, what we used to call back in the day, the Hank routes or, you know, the stuff that you see Kelsey do, right. Where he's like, almost like a, it's like a post player in basketball, right. That's what a lot of times what Kelsey is. He's like a post player that you want to go into the paint and let him dunk it. Right. Like that's, that's like what I see. I see tight ends are like power forwards and centers in a basketball scheme like that. that his like the tight ends ability now to, to keep the field wide open in the middle. You saw what Kelsey did in that overtime. I mean, uh, to win the game and not go into overtime. Mm-hmm. He just knows where to go. He just, you know, and you get a tight end like that, how are you going to cover him? You know, how do you cover a Gronkowski at that point with a, even, even with a linebacker, you know, he's so big, so tall and strong, great hand. So yeah, that's, that's going to be a, an interesting um, uh, matchup to see if he, to see if he's in or out. And, and, you know, Tyran Matthew, for some reason, seems to be the one they always talk about that has to match up against Gronk. So, and I, I you know, I like our odds against Tyran. I, I think he, he'd be able to, um, to know exactly how to defend Gronk if he does play. Which is amazing. Like, he plays so much bigger than he is. I mean, Matthew's, like, uh, I mean, yeah. look up his listed weight. I, I think he's listed at maybe 5'10", but he isn't. And he's probably, <laughs> I don't if he's 200 pounds, I mean, it, it's re- he's really a quarterback size, and he plays cornerback a lot um, for the Chiefs. But, yeah, he plays so much bigger than he is. Well, Joe, one of the cool things about this game is that it's at Tampa, the site of uh, the Super Bowl. So hopefully it's an environment the Chiefs feel comfortable in and can return to. What's your score prediction for this game? Well, well, Jeff, just real quick, Tampa. I, I get I wake up in a cold sweat some nights when I think about Tampa because every time we would play in Tampa, obviously, if you remember, it was Joe Montana's first game with the Chiefs was oh, in Tampa, that's right, in 1993, and and I wake up in my head singing a jingle that they used to play. It seemed like they were playing this jingle on every single break. There was a there was a, uh, a a supermarket chain in 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 Tampa Bay, um, and they used to sing. And I'll try to sing. And please pardon my singing. I am a horrible <laughs> singer. But they would it would go something like this: Buck Savers Cash and Carry support the brands that support the Bucks. And it was for like a super. I'm telling you, Jeff. It's how long has it been? It's 1993. It's still, <laughs> it's still in my head. It's what 28 years later, and I'm still singing. Buck Savers, Cash and Carry, and so does my wife um, because she, you know, at Tampa Bay, they used to put, they put the, you know, Lamar Hunt, right, class organization, and I'm not being critical of Tampa Bay's ownership or whatever, but I don't know why they did it this way. You know, Lamar Hunt would always put the, the traveling, um, you know, fans, he would give them like 30 to 40 yard line seats on the visitor side, right in the bottom of Arrowhead's Bowl. Right, like right, you know, twenty rows up from the field, basically right where our family sat, but just on the other side of the mm-hmm. field, around the 30, 40 yard line. My wife was literally, and I'm not exaggerating. She went down to Tampa to visit family to see that game in 1993. Number one, everybody wanted to see Joe's first game, right? So my wife mm-hmm. goes down to meet her family to watch the game, and they put her. She was literally, and I'm not exaggerating. She was in the last seat in the corner of the stadium up in the corner of the end zone on the opposite side of the chief sideline, literally in the last seat in the corner of the stadium, you couldn't get further away from the field than she was. And that's where all the chiefs fans tickets were 
that that the, you know Tampa Bay had either given to the Chiefs for us to give to family or whatever. So we have bad we have bad vibes when it comes to Tampa. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry, Jeff. I I, I do that aside. Just no, that's great. Fans, fans like Any, well, anytime here's... we get a chance to hear you sing, Joe, I'm always yeah, gonna. Well, that's true too. But to hear, you know, to hear a little inside baseball, you know, on 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 our experiences as NFL players, right? Um, you know, I think I think number one, I think the big thing is which Tom Brady shows up. I think that's a, I think that's the X factor of all mm-hmm. X factors. You know, we got a lot of matchups, a lot of deep. We talked a lot today about defense. We talked about which offense shows up. We talked, you know, all that stuff, the run game, the pass game. I think to me, the, the hinge of this game, what it hinges on is how well Tom Brady plays and which Tom Brady shows totally. up. It, it let's, let's assume he does, right? Like you said, he's got this whole week to stew about it. He's probably watched more film this week than he's watched the whole season because he, he, you know he wants this game because mm-hmm. um, this, this is the game that's going to be, you know, I'm not going to say it's a make-or-break game for the Bucs, but I, I, think it's, I think it's one of the biggest games on their schedule, not just because it's the next one because, you know, this is going to tell a lot about how far this team can go into the playoffs if they make the playoffs. Um, let's assume Tom shows up you know, TB12. And I, I say it's, it's a very similar game to the one that we saw last week against the Raiders. And, and, and I, I think it's, I, th- I don't, I don't even want to say like the same score, but I think it's a similar, I think the Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I think they have, they have a little too much for the Bucks, And, and I think it's going to be a 35 to 28 game. I think it's going to be a seven point game. I think it's going to be a little bit touch and go back and forth. Chiefs may get down. Um, the one thing I think the, the, the Chiefs need to do, the Buccaneers are not a great first quarter team, right? So if they can jump on them early, I think that sets the tone and, and it could end up being a bigger margin. But I, I think this game's going to end up 30, 35 to 28. It's going to be a little bit of a shootout. God willing, it doesn't come down to another one minute, 43 second drive that Patrick has to score in the last part of the game to win it. But I, I think that's the kind of game it's going to be. I think it's going to be back and forth, and I think the Chiefs are going to pull this one out, 35-28. I think the Chiefs win, too. I was really waffling on the pick until seeing, uh, you know, uh, seeing how their offense struggled Monday night. The Bucks' offense struggled. Um, I, I think the Chiefs win, too, but a little bit closer to the line. I think it's about like a field goal uh, difference, oh, okay. Joe. Okay. Bef- before we go, obviously uh, – Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. And Joe, share, share uh, you had a very cool Plaza Lights experience uh, during your days with the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, Jeff. We had, we had a couple of great experiences. It, was, it definitely became a tradition of my wife, Jen, and I going to see the Plaza Lights um, at Thanksgiving, if we weren't playing on Thanksgiving. Like one year, we actually played the Cowboys in mm-hmm. Dallas on Thanksgiving, which was which was experience of a lifetime, by the way. Um, but it was always a huge event for us. We loved it. it what a great tradition. Um, and one of, one of my favorite, favorite memories was in 1994, um, Carl Peterson had invited um, my wife and I, I'm sorry, not, not 94, I'm sorry, uh, my rookie year was 1991 because we, we were new in town. And, you know, we had never seen the lights or done anything like that. And um, we went to uh, Carl Peterson's uh, condo on the plaza and he invited us to a Thanksgiving night 
uh, party and we got a chance to go and see the plaza lights when they turn them on and have the big ceremony from his balcony um, on the plaza. And it was just, what a thrill. You know, as a rookie, I'm 20, well, I guess I was still 22 years old at that time. I don't think I had turned 23 yet. Uh, and here I am in, in the, uh, you know, part owner, general manager, president of the Chiefs, a Philly legend, right, from his days with the Eagles and the Philadelphia Stars and the USFL. And here I am in, 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 in Carl's, uh, uh, you know, I'm in his living room and my wife and I are watching the lights and at the plaza. And just that whole year was just such a wonderful experience. And that really topped it for me and Jen, right? You know, first of all, we're out there by ourselves. You know, Jen and I grew up together in, in the Philadelphia area. We didn't have any family to spend Thanksgiving with. And Carl was kind enough to, to, to invite us over to his, to his home. And what, a, what an unbelievable experience. And he was such a father figure to so many, uh, to all of us, actually. And, um, you know, for him to do that was, was really special. And I'll never forget it. And, and every time I see those plaza lights, I think about that night and I think about the, the plaza and, and how beautiful that city is and, and what it looks like this time of year. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. And if you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.